to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. So everybody knew, the whole family knew, and the other people who had children, those kids never went to that house because they knew what was happening. So that even made it worse to me because I'm thinking, wow, I must have been worth, worthless. Yeah, I must have been worthless. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Last week we spoke to Crystal about the Elder who had abused all the girls in the family, including her mum. Today we speak to Crystal's mum. Danny was sexually abused from as early as she can remember, and her own mother put her in that situation, delivering her to a pedophile on a weekly basis. It is harrowing, but this is also a story of an incredibly strong woman who did better and is breaking the cycle of generational trauma. This episode is very special, as Crystal is also on the line with us to provide support for her mum, and this discussion became quite therapeutic in the end. Content warning, this episode discusses child sexual abuse and drug abuse. Support resources will be listed in the show notes. Today on The Deep, I am joined once again with Crystal, who shared her incredible story of generational trauma. And I'd mentioned to Crystal that I would really love to speak to her mum. We, at the time of recording this, aren't sure if Crystal's mum is ready to be known or is going to continue to be anonymous. So for this podcast, we might just call you Danny. Welcome to the deep. Thank you. Your story has quite literally haunted me from the time that Crystal shared it with me. And I really do appreciate you having the courage to come on and share your experience, you know, because it is hard when it is a, a yeah. third person. And I also want to preface a lot of this won't be in your memory in uh, order, you know. Yeah. So if we yeah, go, yeah. if we jump around, all of that is completely fine. Yeah. Okay, so to give context, because I'm assuming everybody has listened to Crystal's episode. If you haven't, I do recommend you listen to that episode first to get some context. But those of you who are jumping on, Danny, you were born into a family unit where times were difficult and when your mother couldn't care for you, would leave you or hand you over to a, an elder couple who she had been semi-watched and raised by over her life. 
okay. from a very small child. So this was all she ever knew and she thought, well, I'll just send my kids there the same way. She had to work. Um, so we, that's where we were every day when she was at work. Every day? Every day, every day. But at what age do you believe this sexual abuse began? Look, I've got memories in my head of me as a little child, what I looked like and where I was. And my father had gone to jail and my, my I had to be minded by these people. So, yeah, it, it, I think it would be maybe two. Uh, before then, obviously, that's, you know, uh, yeah. But I, I know that it was quite young because I actually approached them because I could see myself in a place with him. And um, I couldn't work out why they, why I was there being babysat sort of thing, you know, in that, in that house. And, um, yeah, so I asked them what, you know, how old was I, why was I there? And so that's that's sort of my thinking of what, yeah, how old I was. But that's my, my pictures in my head. I see myself as a child. Yeah. I cannot see what I look like even, you know, like at that age. So when you were about two... Mm. And it could have been earlier than that. We don't actually know because you don't have the memory of it. Yeah. These people that were um, trusted with caring for you and taking care of you were breaking huge amounts of trust. But the thing is with this, your mother had had the same experience as mm. you. She was handed over to these people as a small child as well. Not as small, I believe. How old was she? So the, their father died. They would have been young girls, maybe um, eight, under eight, something like that. Um, yeah, and they, and, and this, in this street, all of the aunties lived together. There was, we, they all had, there was three or four houses that were all family. And somehow this couple became carers for all of the children. Yeah. And so sexual assault is now going through two generations, yeah. right? She has survived that, if we can call it that. Yeah. She is with your dad. She's had other kids as well. She's now had you. She's handed you and the other kids over to them. I'm not sure whether knowing or in denial of if that would keep happening and she was desperate because she needed the help. Like, what yeah. was your interpretation of that choice? Um, well, just the story I was told, you know, like, because I did go to them with all these things and it was just that your father had gone to jail and um, they couldn't afford to financially support us. So, Mum, that's why we went and lived there and she worked and um, and they looked after us. So that was, yeah. And then obviously, because it's all sketchy for me because it's quite young, but then my dad must have got out of jail and we got a house all together and, yeah, we all just lived together. And But were you still going back there I even? Was, yeah, yeah. Well, so what happened is, as I said, they didn't like my father, but then my father married mum and to win their trust and everything, my dad would take me there every week and to see them, and uh, he had no idea. He had no idea what was happening. Um, it was a, a long terrace home where he was bedroom was at the front and the kitchen right at the back. So we would go down and say hello to her and uh, another fellow that lived there. 
they would put me in the room with him to talk to him, because he's like a grandfather. That's you talk to your grandfather. Like sounds pretty. When I say it out loud, I'm thinking. Anyway, I don't want to think any. I, you know, I just can't work it out. Like I was put in this room, and the woman would have a stepladder, a little stepladder, and she would have. She used to make chocolates, handmade chocolates. She always had chocolates at her house, and um, and lot, my first memories of her were her getting these chocolates down. And then, um, and then putting the chocolates on his penis, and um, showing me how to, um, yeah. And I'm gonna have to laugh about this because I hate, I love chocolate, <laughs> but I can't eat a cream-filled chocolate because there was these beautiful chocolates, and I was had got instructions on how to, you know, get them off and things with my mouth, so. But yeah, that was a. But nobody knew. Apparently, nobody knew what was happening in that room. I, I can't believe. Like, I know my dad. I know my dad because he used to say to me, "If you tell anyone, your dad will go to jail." So you can't tell anyone about this because you're. And I knew my dad had been to jail, and I didn't know what for. Um, but yeah, he said if you tell it, don't you can't tell anyone. But um. The thing about the story is that everybody knew, like the, their family. Obviously, the uh, my mum's sister Cheryl. I don't know if Crystal's spoken about Cheryl, but Cheryl was lived there till she was forty-one and got married. She was a virgin when she got married, and it happened to her. You know, it ha- she lived there till she, she was. So yeah, it's it's just so strange. Yeah, and then that, that became a war with me because when I became, my dad died when I was 12, and I went off the rails. And going off the rails, I, my mum had been put on a lot of prescription pills for sleeping, and um, I decided to take one of her tablets one night, one day, and I did, and I felt really nice. And then I took another one, and then I took another one. And uh, I had my stomach pumped three times, and I was completely off. I was kicked out of home, and I used to go back and try to talk to my mum and wasn't talking actually. I was just so angry at her that I was just pushed aside like it's, it's nothing, just, you know, um, wasn't that bad sort of thing. Um, don't talk about it. Nobody needs to know about it. Can I ask a question about that bit? Because this I think is what is so bamboozling to every parent, you know, and, and I'm sure for you being a parent now and, and looking back at this, how oof, how did she hand you over? How did she take her little babies, her little children into that house to do the things or to be abused, exploited, traumatised, the same way she was like I can't even imagine how she compartmentalized that by her own trauma and then putting you in harm like you're saying to me she said don't talk about it don't you know it it happens but we don't talk about it so she's acknowledging that it happened yeah did you ever get anything else from her no no. And so what happened after he died, the wife came to live with us, me and my mum. So 
and she hated me. So she hated me. I didn't, couldn't work out why in life she didn't like me. She didn't talk to me. She loved my brothers, but she just did not like me. I remember I was pregnant with Crystal, and um, I just said to my mum and Cheryl one day, I, I want to, she's so horrible to me, and there's just something there with us, you know, and I couldn't work it out because she liked everyone else. And I actually just, I said to mum and Cheryl, I, I, I need to talk to her. I, 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 I want to talk to her about this because she was involved. She, she was, the, she, strange, she was having an affair. So she was happy that I was servicing her husband because she was having an affair. So she'd set it all up so he was still getting, he was still getting, and I wanted to talk to, I needed to talk to her because I was just thinking, wow, why do you hate me so much, you know, and you'll talk to my brothers and, and, and admittedly I was off the rails um, but I wasn't getting heroin off the drug dealer on the corner like they did in them days. I, was t I stole every anyone's pills. I would be stealing their pills. And I didn't even know what I was taking. I was just taking handfuls of pills. And and they just said, don't say it. You'll only hurt her feelings. Don't talk to her about it. So there you go. I'm going to hurt her feelings. So I couldn't say anything to her. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So you never, can, you never got your moment with her? No. No. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And she died not long after that anyway, so it was all done. But for the, I actually blame Mum and Cheryl for that because they, they it would happen to them. So they were just very, so protective of them. Like, it's like, well, actually, it was like it was nothing. And in them days, I suppose, with, you know, it was a different era where, you know, men got away with a lot more then in, in them days. So... So yeah, it was just it was just like you know get on with life. Like, what about your mum though? A apart from that time when you were twelve, did you ever say to her like when you had Crystal, for example, and you're looking at this little baby, or you're looking at this little two year old or five year old, or and you're like, my mum took me at this age to this dangerous dangerous place did it ever come up again between you or you just went you know what I'm never going to get what I need from this my mum and I didn't have a relationship um we did not have a relationship and my dad I, I was so lucky my dad was a, you know just, I the jail thing and everything but my dad was a very loving man to me and I felt loved by him um, I never felt loved by my mum, and Crystal can relate to that. <laughs> uh, because I used to sit there and say to my talk, I, I would tell myself, I'm never going to be like her. I'm never going to be this mum, and I and I became that mum. I became exactly like my mum, and Crystal's the one who's who caught all all that. And it wasn't until I had Crystal that. We probably started to have that talk, but then she passed away not long after that. So I was nearly there, but not nearly enough. Like um, we never got to, we couldn't. Nobody wanted to talk about that. I mean, and and it's strange, but sex in our house or talking about those things, you, you get your, you get a smack across the face. So it was two different things. One, this side's, this is happening, and then you're all being also being told that. If I had sex before I got married, what sort of woman I'd be? Or oh, I'd my falling, God. Falling pregnant with Crystal. Now, I was 24 years old, 
And I honestly thought I'd never even have children. I, you know, I just didn't know what was going to happen to me. I was in that in in La La Land, and uh, and I fell pregnant with Crystal, and I've um, and I told Crystal this, and I know it's hard for her because I know that it was how hard it was for me. But that was probably the that was probably the most happiest day in my life to find out I was pregnant because I thought, oh, I'll do this right, <laughs> and I didn't do it right. I just did it exactly like my mum. Can I can I interrupt that? Yeah, that's not true. And I think Crystal is there. Oh my god, I'm going to get emotional. You did everything. Okay, maybe some of the internal neglect, maybe some of that feeling of not showing love the way you wanted to. Sure. And I know that Crystal has felt that and she's been oh, she's she's had a lot of pain from that and she's moved through that, but I want to say you did not parent her like your mother. Your mother handed you over to a pedophile. So I would say on the spectrum, you did a, a, an incredible job of breaking that generational trauma. You did not do what your mother did. You didn't. And I think you need to hear that and you need yeah. to believe that. I know you wanted to mother differently, yeah, but you did not hand her to a pedophile. No. Do you mind if I talk about the abuse? For no, a bit. of course. It's, go, 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 love. Her. It's going to be yuck and it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And if it's too much, you just we just move on. But all good. all good. I'm wondering if it could be helpful for parents in retrospect to be able to find. Uh, I, I mean, for me as a parent, I would love to know to get inside your mind to to be able to protect my kids, right? Yeah. So these things start very young and it starts by you know, using bait like chocolates and using little things like that. Yeah. Does the sexual abuse start uh, like in a slow way? Like is it, I mean, I, or is, is the penis on the chocolates like your first introduction to that? Is it pretty, we're, we're getting My, into it. The first introduction is the bath. The bath. Okay. Bath. Okay. So that would be touching each yeah. other uh, each other in a way that seems like it's cleaning but it's really sexual abuse yeah okay yeah. um and then it does it move into out of the bath and so now someone drops you over to his house and you go straight in the room or are you there all day and you're just in the room for a little bit like how does it or is it all different oh which we'd get there go down the kitchen um tiny little kitchen and then and then my dad would just get a chair and take it into his 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 room um so you know because he was um, he was always in bed like i don't know if he was sick even though he was sick in one way but he was always in bed and he always had the same pajama pants on and um for some reason he, he was in the bedroom all the time and that's where they, they would might they would I hate, I hate even saying that my dad put the chair in there because it, maybe some people might think, and I've had that say to me, but I, I, I don't have any, um, I don't have any memories of my dad. I just, yeah. You can't I, believe it. You won't. No, you can't believe that no, he would I, I do that to you because he did love me so much. I, I can't imagine. It, I can't imagine that he. I just think he was because they didn't like him, and then he was accepted. 
and they were the grandparents and obviously we stayed there when he was in jail. So um, I think he was just trying to win them over and show that, that he's a good dad and he's bringing them us to – well, it was only me. It just made me think of something. It was only me that was taken over there. So, yeah, um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's really confronting to talk about things like this because you want to believe that that one good person in your life protected you. Yeah. Right? And saying something that you know sounds quite black and white, like what the fuck's he doing, it's very – and you 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 believe whatever you need to believe to uh, keep – you know, this isn't our uh, therapy session to make this make sense of what it is. Like no. you just need that. Yeah. You need to survive however you need to survive this, yeah. right? And everyone listening can think what they think. That's none of your yeah. business. Yeah. But the chair is in there and you're having some alone time with your granddad. I know this is going to be really hard to remember, but how long are you in there and then how do you get out? Like does someone come and knock on the door and collect you or does he go, I'm finished, now go back to the kitchen? Oh, uh, yeah, she would come. So it was never your dad coming back in. She would go, oh, I better go get her. Yes. So did she catch you in sexual acts? Yes. And what would she do? She would, um, it, it, Tell me what way to do it. What, do it like this. Um, wow. Va- Vaseline. She had always a little thing, a tub of Vaseline. Uh, she, she, yeah, yeah, she, that's why I think she hated me so much because I don't think that she was involved with my mum, Cheryl, as much as she is was with me. So she hates herself because of what she did. So she's projecting her hate onto you. Yeah. But she's hating herself for what she was doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think if she wasn't there, maybe it wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, there was a it was a two-story terrace house and um, – There was, you know, she had boarders who come and rent the room. And um, there was many days, times where she would come and grab my hand and take me upstairs and um, I would perform oral sex on on the boarders and uh, it was was pennies in them days and... uh, after that happened, they, you know, they had a little kitchen up there. We'd go into the kitchen and they would give her some money and she would give me a penny a penny or two uh, for, the, for my job. So now she's a sex trafficker. Yeah. She is a child sex trafficker. 100%. 100%. How old are you when you can remember this? Five. And um, that that uh, that upstairs, no one's allowed upstairs. Any other, what a, con- a, a cousin contacted Crystal because she said my parents knew this was happening to you. I was never allowed to go to that home. So everybody knew, the whole family knew, and the other people who had children, 
Those kids never went to that house because they knew what was happening. So that even made it worse to me because I'm thinking, wow, I must have been worth worthless. Um, yeah, I must have been worthless. You are not. These are incredible monsters. Absolute. Like this is the thing. You have survived the thing of nightmares. You have survived that. You are sitting here being able to tell your survivor's tale with your daughter present consciously now present yes drugs helped you survive that but you are here like I know and I'm sure you know as a parent the most horrific thing that you could do to a child yeah so much yeah you wouldn't think you could do so much damage and there's many years where I got on with my life and I was going a bit mad in my head and in them days you don't you can't tell anyone those sort of things. So I didn't tell my husband. I thought I'm like damaged goods. So then I thought I'll see a psychiatrist, and because um, I thought I was mad, I thought I'm going mad here. And uh, it was a bloke, and I was no such thing as a female psychiatrist. And I went along to him, and he was sitting in his chair, crossing his legs and listening. And I just couldn't talk to him. I couldn't tell him. How do I tell a bloke this? So then I went, you know what? I just got to suck it up. It happened. Get on with life. And that's what, I, that's what I tried to do. But even though I got on with it and everything, it was what happened to me, forged me as a partner, forged me as a mother. I even had Cheryl, my mum's sister, telling other cousins that it didn't happen. <gasps> so, What a fucking bitch. She said that you were lying. Yeah, I was like, I had a cousin come to my home and say they were staying with her. And she said, Deb, this didn't happen to you. She also said you're lying. It's all didn't. And I just, I didn't know what, I didn't know how to answer that. I thought, well, this is a competition. Hang on. Is this because Shirley was also sexually assaulted yeah. and couldn't deal with her own sexual assault? And if yeah. you're telling the truth, then that happened to her and she's not willing to be out about this. I think she, Cheryl, this is going to sound strange and Christian will know, Cheryl wanted to be, I think, the, that she was the only one. I don't know whether it's special, like, oh, like it didn't happen to me. I, mean, I don't know. It was just because Cheryl had a lot of people knew what happened to Cheryl because it was the family. But I just, I don't know. I just don't know if they thought that I was looking for attention. Um, I don't know what they thought. I don't know what they thought. But is Cheryl the one that lived there in her forties? Yes. So yeah. Cheryl lived there when you were being abused. Yeah. yeah. She was present. Your mum and her sisters moved in. 8, 10, 12 years old, yeah, let's say. Yeah, like that, yeah. Was sexually assaulted until perhaps teenage years, we don't know. Yeah. But we don't know if Shirley's sexual assault ended because no. she lived in the house. Potentially he was abusing you and he was abusing her. It's something I would have loved to have found out. So you never got to talk to auntie about it? Yeah, this was when she, when she would, it wasn't to my face that she would say that, but she um, it wasn't something we talked about because sex, those sort of things was just, it was not something we talked about. So it was not something I could sit there and talk to her about. And we were very close. She was a great person. Crystal will tell you that. She was like Crystal's grandma. She was a beautiful, beautiful lady. But because of this 
little secret in the family. Yeah, I, I can't work it out why she would say oh, it didn't happen to me. It's complex, right, because we'll never understand why your mum chose to do the things she did, why your aunt chose to do the things she did. We'll never, ever know the way that they handled their trauma. No. I have to ask, I have to go back to the abuse. Yeah. Was it always, I, I, I think I know the answer to this from Crystal's episode, but did it become penetrative? Yes, yes. Do you remember what age that was? Around four or five. And the reason I, I know that, because the shed thing, my, my, my uh, memory of that shed is uh, he'd sit me on the on the um, on the shelf, the shed table. It's an old rug, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, that, 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 then he would um, uh, yeah, put put his um, put his penis in my um, and so what happened? So he, what happened is that I had. Um, UTIs. I had cystitis. I had blood in my urine, and my mum would be getting me to pee in a, a little Vegemite jar that was empty, and take it up to the doctors, and I'd be on antibiotics. And I'm, you know, this was an ongoing thing. And I, I, I just remember as a kid, always weighing in a jar, and I couldn't. You know, these days, if that happened, if a little girl was going back every week to the doctor. They wouldn't know. They would want answers. I was, you know, so I was four or five, um, getting these uh, UTIs and uh, um, and blood in my urine and stuff like that. So you're now being not only neglected by your family, but you're now being neglected by the healthcare system. Yeah. The government, society. Your mum is, I guess, a buffer between that. So if there's any questions of this would only come up if there was, you know, some type of sexual abuse or a tear or yada, yada, she'd be like, oh, it's all fine. Yeah, it was just something I did. It was like every fortnight. It was just it was just something that's in my head because I remember washing out the jars, you know. You had to wash out your own urine and blood. No, 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 sorry, the jars for me to pee in it to take it to the doctor. Oh. Just, you know, it was a Vegemite jar or a peanut butter jar or in them days you didn't have them little pots. It was just pee it, they clean it, pee in it. So you're injured and you're living yeah. with injuries. You're living with physical pain as well as the emotional and physical element of this trauma. I, how, fuck, how do you... I can't even imagine how you put one foot in front of the other, you know, and I know you're a child and you you don't even know what's right or wrong at that age. But I, I'm just trying to think of, you know, this little, little girl that is being so horrifically harmed and then she's supposed to go to kindy or she's supposed to go to school or she's supposed to turn up and have dinner at the dinner table or do you have much memory of the day-to-day back then is it all a blur yeah it's all blur. I, I, I can't remember school um i can't remember friends you know i can't 
I want to acknowledge how incredible you are. Like I have little babies and I'm watching them and I was actually putting my little girl to bed before we had this interview and I'm looking at her and I was thinking of you and I'm thinking of uh, in an instant if anything happened to a child like that, the innocence is broken immediately. You know, you are forever changed by that violation. You are forever changed. And the fact that you're sitting here with the strength and courage to talk about your truth, whether or not you go into shame or you go into all of these things that come with your trauma, you are so incredible and so worthy, so worthy of your life and your love and your children and your partner and all the good things, all the riches of life. So I just want to acknowledge that because I can still see like this tug of war within you. Well, that's why I went back to see the counsellor because – I truly feel like I'm an imposter. I've been an imposter all my life, uh, even in my relationships. People, and I said that to her, people think I'm a nice person, but I'm actually not a nice person. Oh, look at Crystal. I'm just so sad that I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't I'm scared that people, as I say, people think I'm nice, but I haven't really been a nice person. And I, you know, I, I just, I thought, oh, I thought I was going to be a really good mum, you know. I thought, and this is what happened to me. I became, because in them days, the, the, the man was the king of the house. You know, they go to work and you stay home and you clean and you cook, and I did all of that. I was an ex, I'm an expert in it. Um, but I didn't have that soft side of me that they needed, especially Crystal. And when I said, when I had Crystal, wow. That, that was the best day of my life because I knew that, wow, it's going to change now. I'm not on my own. Um, and uh, I really, really wanted to do it right. Uh, and Crystal's nearly 40 and she suffers now because of that. I'm going to change. I, I'm going to challenge that a little bit later. But yeah. I want to go into the part of you saying that you're not a nice person because I promise you something. Everybody listening to us have this conversation right now. If they were sexually assaulted, potentially younger than a two-year-old, because that's the first memory, right? Potentially younger, all the way through their early life, they would be murderous. They would be vengeful. They would be aggressive. They would want to hurt. They would be resentful at those that had easy lives. You saying you're not a nice person or whatever that truly means for you, I really want to just go, well, fuck yeah, like, yeah, you you really deserve the space to be a wild animal, you know? You really do. You really do. Well, I became one. That's what I became, Zoe. I was like a ghetto mum. Yes, Let's just honour that. That's how you feel. That's what you think the truth is, right? But I can see Crystal yeah. shaking her head. So yeah. 
let's acknowledge that that's how you felt, a ghetto mum. So for me, can I tell you what I think a ghetto mum is? Yeah. I think the children have been in their nappies for maybe six days. I think there's probably rats and cockroach infested um, homes with, you know, lots of hoarding and uh, no safe food to eat, no clean cups, um, a, a lot of physical abuse probably. Um, were those things that you can relate to? No. So what's your version of a ghetto mum? If anybody attacks my kids or anything like that, um, I don't think sometimes I just go into full battle. You know, I'll, I'll chase six foot four ex-boyfriends of Crystal around our local shopping centre. and um, Yeah, so... <laughs> Not only Crystal suffered from this, but my husband, Cole, has too. Of course. Of course. And we'll talk about him. We'll talk yeah. about him. But I want to just um, touch on the fact that you're trying to parent a daughter in a way that you've never experienced. And I know that that was incredibly painful for Crystal at times. But I know that you have had the blessing of connecting with this now. And I, and I think people can use that reference in Crystal's podcast. We'll put that in the show notes for you to talk about. But you, I feel like there's a lot of pain still for you with the way you parented her. Oh, I'm, every day I think about it. Every day. I think about it with, uh, with everyone because I just sit back and think, should I have, should I have had children? Really, should I have been a mum if I couldn't do the whole job? And I know that because I, I know I see my friends that have got mums that are still here and in a relationship. And then I'm just lucky with Crystal, as I said. Um, you know, I'm lucky that Crystal's. Um, we've been able to talk about it, and I understand how hard it is for her. You know, I really do. Uh, yeah, I just think sometimes I should maybe shouldn't have I should be single and not have children, um, and then no one else could have got hurt. I think that they would much rather have had the experience of you than not at all. Yeah, you're still living it. You're living some sort of shame at the way you parented because of how you were parented, and that is that just seems so unfair. You know, that you're still in agony in an element of this. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, as I said, my, I, I, my day-to-day thing is, you know, I've got the normal things, you know, you're going to work or I'm doing this, but always in the background, always it's going on. It's like thinking, uh, just questioning myself. Questioning myself of who I am. Uh, some days I don't, I don't know who I am. That's when I think I feel like an imposter because maybe if people knew the real me, then can I ask you? Do you remember the day that you were free of the abuse or the the year? Yes. How old? How? Yeah. Tell I me. I think I must have been about. 11, 10 or 11, and uh, we were all watching TV and she had called up and he had a heart attack 
and, and he passed away. And I, my dad got the phone call and I remember being, I just, I, I forgot. And I jumped for joy and I said, uh, thank, something, something in the words along, he's dead, I'm so glad he's dead. And then I got a belting off my father for that because I was, was he did say so there, I, I believe that he didn't know because they were devastated what it said. And I, it just came out. Um, and I was happy. I was so happy that he passed away. But then again, now I think maybe, you know, can't go back to maybes, what would have happened or what, what could have happened. But yeah, I was about, because my dad died not long after that. Over the years, I'm sure that the abuse fluctuated, but would yeah. you say it was a weekly thing, a monthly thing? A... It was a weekly thing. It was a weekly thing. It was every Saturday. Every Saturday? Every Saturday. And I remember as a kid, and, and here I see myself as this five, six-year-old now, my dad used to walk out the front in them days because all kids are out the front playing as we never let inside. <laughs> and I knew oh, I would get out of that house on Saturday morning and go straight across the road to play with the kids over there and just pray to God that we weren't going there today. But then he'd come out the front and say, where are you? We're going, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember, you know, going in the car with Dad and, and here we go, back again. As I got older, the sexual, the penetration, it stopped. And I do think because... I was I was a little bit of a a chunky girl, you know, so it wasn't um yeah it, it's it, something happened there with that. So yeah, it was a, every every Saturday. So once I got to a certain age and Dad there was no more jail, you know, my Dad bought a house and everything was everything was great. So ten it stops. Twelve your Dad passes. Yeah. You're living with your mum. Yeah. Twelve till you start to go off the rails. From from then. Yeah, so what my father, my dad was su such a beautiful man and uh, I, I knew he loved me. And uh, when he passed away, I see my dad, he was on the floor, we called an ambulance. The ambulance put him back in our bed and my mum was talking to him and then I, we were sent away for a week. We had no idea. I was put in a car, sent to the other side of Melbourne. I didn't, no one ever said dad died. I didn't get to go to the funeral. And I remember sitting in this house because I thought, wow, if he's gone now, I've got no one. If, he, if he's gone, there's no one who's going to love me now. And uh, I remember the talk, people talking about the funeral. I just wanted to get out, that, out of that uh, place and go to the funeral, but I didn't know where it was and I was too young. And that, that changed then dramatically for me and my mum because my dad was always the buffer. So when I got home, my mum said, to me, the nobody was saying, oh, your father passed away or anything. It was just your father's dead and, you, and it's your fault. And the, what it was is my father used to, I used to play peekaboo with Dad. I'd hide behind things, you know, and go peekaboo and frightening. And he had a heart attack. So she said, it's your fault your father's dead. That was the conversation and that was it for me and my mum. That was it. There's no coming back now from that. And that's when I, that's when I just went, wow. Give me some of these pills, took some pills, and I felt great. And then I was kicked out. And uh, and I got to 19, Zoe, and woke up one day and went, I can't do this shit no more. I didn't want to be a drug addict. It's too hard. <laughs> um, 
And I knew that I knew right and wrong. That's where I, out of all of this, and I take this from my dad, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I should have been stealing people's pills. I should have been taking all these pills. Um, but that was the only relief I got I, to take my mind off my dad leaving and what happened with that other person and then just I was like a, an outsider. I was just cast aside. I lived in houses with people that I shouldn't have been living in. Um, but anyway, I got my act together and got, uh, got myself a room, rented a room in a house with someone and got a job and I've been, you know, and that's how I've and met Cole. Can we talk about that? Because you said that um, you hadn't had really sex or boyfriends or no. things like that no. and you meet Cole. I can't even imagine what it is like when you are moving towards intimacy with someone you actually care about. Like what happens for you? Well, that, 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 that was horrible. It must be more horrible for Cole. Um, I just froze. I, 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 I don't even know how. I was saying to Crystal the other day, Crystal, when we went to see her, she was unwell, blah, blah, blah. And it's just a wall that comes up with me, and it, you know, and I can't work out how come I can't get over this wall now at my age. Why am I not, why can't I just do it? Crystal was upset, and she was, you know, she'd been sick and in hospital and everything, and she got upset. And I'm sitting next to her on the couch, and I'm, I'm having these conversations, and she's, and I'm, I know what I've got to do. I've got, I'm her mum, I'm meant to go over there and, and cuddle her and, and make her feel better. And I'm having this argument inside with me, and, and, um, I just thought, if I don't do something, I'll, I'll, I'll hate myself. So I just grabbed her by the arms and went, I, didn't, I, I, I have no idea how to, how, to be, how to be comforting like that. So I just grabbed her on the arms. Well, well I'm here now. <laughs> it was just a half-hearted one. I can't get over that wall. I can't even do it with my husband. I can't get over that wall. That's my biggest problem is that I've been like this for so long I know what I've got to do. I know that I have to cuddle my husband. I know that I've got to be that mum for Crystal. But I can't get over the wall. It's just this wall. And then saying that my son's had a child and I knew that I've toned down from what I was 30 years ago and this baby coming into this family was a really nice thing. But I knew the relationship I had, Crystal didn't have that. And I didn't want Crystal to see that. And I felt really bad. That That's 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 sad. Oh, I just need to, get, I need to get over the wall. But I can't. And I'm sorry. Can I tell you something? What I believe, and I don't, I'm not a psychiatrist. What do I know, right? But what I believe is when we deal with something in life that is so painful and so traumatic, this wall, right, is protecting you. It's protected you since you were a little, little, little girl. And if you take the wall down, you have to look at all of the things that are holding the wall up. And sometimes looking at those things are so terrible, awful, 
disgusting, hellish, that it might be more trauma looking at it than just trying to live with the wall somehow. You know, I know lots of people are like, we need to look at trauma in the face and we need to face the beast. And sometimes I think it could fucking kill us. You know, this is like if I dealt with some of my demons face to face, I might just kill myself. You know, it sounds like this protective wall has done just that. It has kept yeah. you alive. Yeah. But there's a really there's a really negative side of that, which is it doesn't allow me to touch or be touched or help or hold. Yeah. Right? Because that's so painful. So painful. No one will, no one, unless they have lived your exact experience, which is impossible, will ever get what you have been through. And so I know you feel like you're at this stage in your life where you're like, I just want to be able to naturally hold my child, naturally fall into my husband. Yeah. That is, that's, that wall has kept you alive, you know? Yeah. It it all feels like you can't win anyway, right? Like yeah. you yeah. you want to survive the day-to-day -day, so you need the wall, but then you want to be the best mother to your daughter, but then there's the fucking wall. Yeah. It's kind of like how do you make peace with both? Yeah. Cuz I hear you're desperate to get through this wall. Oh. <sighs> I want to be the people, the imposter, the people think, you know, that person that sees, they know, they, I think I'm a nice person. I want to be that person they think they're seeing. And I like with Cole, 42 years, 43 years we've been together and I've had nights where I'm sitting there. He has no idea and I'm in my head saying, just put your hand on his leg. Just put your arm around him. And I can, three hours I can be doing this for. He has no idea oh. what's going on inside. And then you know what? I don't do it. I just don't do it. And then I, I think, how come? I used to joke, why hasn't Cole left me? Why is he not having an affair? What? That was a joke of mine. But it's really not a joke. It hasn't been a joke for Cole because I've been a hard person to be with for all those years. Not being, and he's this cuddly all over the shop place says yeah, he loves me 35,000 times a day. <laughs> Complete opposite, and I think he deserves some of that. But, yeah. Maybe you're exactly what he needs, you know. Maybe you're exactly his right fit. Tell me about how you told him. Well, I haven't really. He knows. He knows something happened, happened as, as a child. Cole's. He, he couldn't listen to Crystal's podcast. Um, I understand that. Yeah. Um, he didn't know about, he thought it was just one man. He didn't know there was half a man. So that, that's when Crystal's, we did Crystal's, um, we don't really have conversations about it. Uh, Cole gets a bit angry because he was my mum. Now, if you met my mum, she was in, obviously in Boston too. My mum was a really great person to be around. She was fun, you know. Um, so he got angry with my mum about, and I didn't want him to be angry at my mum because my mum was still alive then. So it was just something we didn't talk about it. And Cole, you know, he was a couple of years younger than me and he's, you know, I've fallen pregnant at 24. So he was younger than me, Zoe. And, um, but also in the back of my mind, Cole 
he's a really decent person. You know, he was a really decent person. Um, we were able to talk and everything. And the funny thing is, before we, I was with him, so I used to go to discos with Cole and all of our friends and try and find. Cole's very shy. So I'd go around the disco looking for girls and say, Cole, over there, there's two girls on their own over there. Get your butt over there. But he was too shy. And here you go, here you go, the imposter come out. I liked Cole, but I was older and I, I, I can't tell somebody I like them. So something happened there because I did. One day I, I said to him, I don't even know, I don't even know how it came out. I just said I like you. And then, and then 43 years later, here we are. <laughs> I still like him every now and then. No, so it's been hard for Cole because also when you, when you're like I am and you go into a room where you're with a heap of people, you know you're not like them. I know that I look at the, the girlfriends and the boyfriends, they're all over each other, they're all that crap. I, I, I'm not in, in, in front of people. If you went to hold my hand, I, I, don't, I can't hold it. I can't let people know that I'm doing this shit. That's how it feels. People think I'm having sex. That's really bad. So it's also mixed up. It is. I can hear how complex it is. And that's why I said I'm not a psychiatrist because what the fuck do I know with my analogies? But I hear and what I see from today and from my experience with Crystal is a woman's willingness to be there and to be the person that her children, her grandchildren, her partner needs her willingness. So even when the wall is there, you're thinking about it for three hours. That shows me a willingness. So this person that you say is an imposter and nobody would really like if they knew the real you, I think we have quite a good essence of who you are. And yes, we all have some dark shit that probably we think some dark things that nobody should ever know, but we all do that. We do, I promise. We think hideous shadow ugly things that would never be spoken about in real life so you're 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 not alone there i would say that you're a remarkable survivor of child sexual abuse and child sex trafficking you are remarkable that you are with us today and a willingness to work with your daughter with your children and your husband to to grow together to learn together I really do. And I think you're so brave for being with us today. I wasn't sure if you would agree. And and if you don't want to do this after we've done it and you regret it and you're like, I don't want to do it, we just don't put it out there. It's all up to you. Is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't discussed? I'm, 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 my life, I'm 62 years old, 63 years old this year. And I'm just sad that I've, I didn't get to that. I haven't got to that that place for all of them, you know. Um, and to knowing that I'm there behind that wall and I can't get over it every day, uh, that eats away at me because I know it's every day is getting closer to the time I won't be here. So I just I just really want my family and Crystal to know that when they went through hell with me, Crystal gone gone through hell. Uh, Cole's gone through hell, and um, 
sometimes it's just, oh, I'm not, I feel like I'm not worthy of them. And I, I truly do because Crystal's a young, beautiful woman. She's smart. She's she's successful. She's everything that I wished I had been. Um, the, the one thing that doesn't matter how much therapy I do or whatever I do, it's not going to take away how it's a, I feel so um, sad that Crystal's now going through her journey of, and that's because of me. Uh, that's because of me. Um, and that's a really sad, sad thing for me, and I can't get over that either. Can I, I know nothing I say is really going to impact how you feel, but I just want to say this, that every single person listening, myself included, that's how I can say this. Our parents have fucked us up. I will fuck up my children. I will, I promise. And I, even if it's unintentional, even if I love them so hard, I will fuck them up. My mum, who loved me the way you want to love Crystal, she loved me and it fucked me up. You know, we were so enmeshed that I couldn't uh, do things for myself. I couldn't learn how to be in the world. My dad, like, fucked me up. They fucked me up. <laughs> so please know that it, it's every single one of us listening. It is, I promise. You were going to fuck her up anyway, like you were. <laughs> I promise you were. And and if anything, what you have done right is sitting right in front of you with Crystal. She's on this call. She's been on this the whole time with us. She is a thriving, successful, beautiful, strong, mentally stable, conscious woman. You gave that to her. Yes, she may have gone through the struggles and the growth because of some of the, the, the challenges she had with her mother-daughter relationship. But if you didn't give her the type of relationship you did, she wouldn't be who she is. So as much as you wish for her, I would say she got exactly the mother that she needed. Do you agree with that, Crystal? A hundred percent. I, I really believe, I think I shared this when we chatted, Zoe, I really believe that, uh, this is my destiny. This is my path that I believe that I chose my parents. I believe that I chose to have this experience and I believe that I do the work that I do in the world now and all of the, my experiences help me do that work. So I, I believe that th this is destiny. I believe that my, you know, my mum has gone through something so horrific and, um, I believe that we are here talking about this and that I am who I am and she is who she is, that we can have this conversation so that we can turn this horrible thing that has happened to her then to our relationship and use it for good. So I, I, I really am, I wish, my saddest thing is that I actually am at peace. Like I really have made peace with, you know, oh, I get emotional, but I have made peace with all the different things, but my biggest I, I don't want my mum to still hold this. Like it, it breaks my heart that she's had a childhood filled with so much trauma and she's had, and she has, she's still behind the wall and that, that breaks my heart. I want to help her. That's why we're here doing this. There's no, there's only purpose. All of this is to help her 
to, to take her power back, to know that she is more than what has happened to her. And that's why we're here with you, you know. It's oh, thank you, Zoe, for listening to me because it's, <laughs> I can imagine there's probably a line at your door wanting to do stuff like this. And I'm, I'm, my colleague said to me, why are you doing this? And why I'm doing this because it's probably still happening. It's going to still happen. And, um, you know, I've kept this a secret and I've let it rule my life. But my, I keep going back to it, but I knew Zoe how I affected Crystal 10, 15 years ago and the wall. And as I said, I, if I could have got over that wall, you know, things might be different. Things might be different. It's also really beautiful that you have clarity on what that thing is that's holding you back. So I wouldn't say that there is no hope. I would say we are full of hope because there are incredible people to support you to move through the wall without maybe looking at all of it. Like I don't know, I'm not a psychiatrist, but you have that energy, you have that will. So I would say that we're there, you know, like you're ready. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also said I've gone, gone back to cancelling and and the cancellor, you know, she she's I said the same thing to her. I feel like an imposter that I'm not a nice person, and she actually burst into tears because she said, "I knew you'd be back. You're going to need this forever." It never ends. It never no. ends. The therapy, the work, never ends because no. life is constant. So you don't get to um you don't graduate. <laughs> No, it just no. gets deeper and you just feel more. My last question, I've actually decided not to ask you today because I feel like you've answered it to, for me multiple times. But it is who are you when no one's watching? But I feel like you've already. Well, I I, I thought about this. Oh, okay. She's got it written down. Let's I go. I have, I have. Every day I feel I'm battling who I am meant to be and who the abuse made me be so i'm battling every day more or less of the abuse and who it's made me be and who i want to be um and and you're, and you're right now that talking about you talking with you today I, I actually feel like a load is gone i do feel like there's a load gone and i know that before this sitting here i'm thinking what am i doing what Am I doing the right thing? Family's going to hear this, and they're going to. And, and anyway, if they hear it, they hear it. They don't. They don't. I really. I, I feel like something's lifted, and it's all because I want Crystal to know that I want to. I know. I want to be. You know, have a great relationship with her and be a good mum and um, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Mm. I thank you both from the bottom of my heart sharing your truth with us. I love you both. I love your relationship. I want to just squish you. Um, I wish we were together. Um, I, yeah, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you wanting to make said There's so many people out with you, stories to tell. I appreciate you wanting to talk to me. Thank you. And talking to Crystal as well. Thank you so much, Zoe. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. 
If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.